1: Hey, there's a good chance if you're in the United States, you visited one of Redbox's 40,000 DVD rental kiosk at some point in your life. To put that in perspective, there are more locations of Redbox than McDonald's, Starbucks combined. Get that. Over the last few years, Redbox has diversified, launching a free streaming service and producing its own content. Who would have thought? Content is king. That's the name of the game. So joining us now to talk about it all is Redbox CEO Galen Smith. Galen, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt.
2: Thank you so much. Great to be with you.
1: It is good to have you here. I mean, content's changing. I mean, we've learned a lot about that during COVID. But first off, when most people think of Redbox, the kiosk outside the grocery or drugstore, there's more to your business than that. How big is the business?
2: Uh it's it's really large. I mean, we we do More than more transactions combined than you would have on a digital transactional service, right? It's just at a lower price point at our dollar eighty a night. So it's it's a really large business. And what I think is missed a lot of times is there are a lot of consumers still using you know physical product, right? Whether it be DVD, Blu-ray, or four K, instead of everyone just using streaming. So we love being able to serve that customer uniquely.
1: Yeah. And how, how long do you think that tail is for that business? We think
2: it's a really long tail. I mean, we think it's, you know, a, a 10 to 15 year tail where consumers are going to continue to do it. And some of the trends you know, really play out. I mean, our ability to serve a customer you know, with a low cost DVD is the cheapest way for any consumer to watch that movie outside of piracy. Right. So we serve a customer in terms of a very, very value conscious consumer. And the second piece is, you know, we have, uh, it may not be set, feel, felt in every location, but there are lack of high speed broadband. It's one of the things that's being talked about right now in terms of infrastructure in our company or in our country. And, you know, we are able to serve a market where they don't have high speed internet to be able to bring them that content that they're going to love.
1: Well, especially for a lot of families where they might be trying to pay a hundred bucks a month for cable or for some type of streaming service. And that's a big, big bucks for a lot of families. And that, just to watch a couple movies a week or a couple movies a month. That's right. Absolutely. And speaking of that, during the pandemic, we watched more TV shows, more movies than ever. How does Redbox fit into our need to binge watch?
2: yeah, it's it's been interesting, right? So our classic uh, content offering is really about offering the latest new movies. Uh, and as we've seen that change, you know theaters essentially closed in March of last year and are just now opening up, which is a, a great sign to see. Uh, but there was really a lack of movie content, right And studios started to, start new windows, right? So you had this premium video on demand that came out where it was a $20 rental. Now that may still be a great deal relative to taking your family to the movie theater, but it's not a great deal if you think about you know a $2 rental. And so you know, there was a real lack of content. And you know obviously the streamers brought out a lot of content uh, over the last year that they kind of had in the can, but now you're facing... This issue, where you know, outside of movies, a lot of things got put on hold in terms of production, and so there's a little bit of catch up that has to that now has to happen. Um, what's great is there is because movies were delayed, there is a very robust movie slate that's coming, right? So there's going to be a lot of content for consumers to watch. But one of the ways that we pivoted was in February, again, not knowing we're going to face a global pandemic. We launched a free live TV service. And so we gave consumers the ability to watch at the time about 30 channels. We've now expanded that to over 95 channels where they can tune in and watch. Uh, There's no cost to the consumer. It's ad supported. And we're bringing them some really great content. So for instance, in the last week or two, we launched uh, a Nashville channel. And all it shows is episodes of Nashville. And we've seen that really resonate with consumers.
1: Well, we're going to have to talk about c-suite tv and some other things because i love the fact that now we can have this ad supported which is a very good revenue source for companies like you know c-suite tv c-suite radio and also for redbox how much more has this added to the bottom line for you Uh, i mean it's still at
2: early stages right so it's it's a it's startup and we're investing a lot more than we'll bring to the bottom line again for us we just think we have this unique opportunity there's obviously some big players in the you know, advertising-supported video-on-demand space. What makes Redbox entry into this so unique is that we've got 40 million customers, right? And we want to introduce them to new entertainment options. So in 2017, you know, late, or 2018, we launched a digital transactional video-on-demand service. And as you can imagine, we saw a ridiculous amount of growth. Our, our digital version, uh, digital service grew 125% year over year last year despite the fact that there wasn't a lot of content that was coming out. So, you know, that was really really exciting to see. And then with ad supported, I mean, we launched uh you know, the streaming service like like I said in February of last year, just in December of last year, we added the ability to watch movies on demand that's got that have ads inserted. And so that's really still building. So we're in the process right now of bring in and licensing content to continue to refine that offering. So again, we're at the probably first or second inning of this long-term. We think we'll have a huge impact to our bottom line, but today it's really about making investments.
1: And we talked a lot on this podcast about pivoting and disruption how did Redbox deal with this disruption? Was it good for you or bad for you? I mean, and nobody likes to say, you know, in those terms, it was good for us or bad. But overall, you know, I got to say for the C-Suite Network, as we looked at our business, it was actually very positive. We turned things around. We pivoted a little bit and our top line was up. Our bottom line was up. How was it for a Redbox?
2: Jeffrey, it's a really interesting question. You know, For us, um, we were born out of disruption. Right, so we took a twenty five hundred square foot video store and took it down to twelve square feet, Uh, and so it was it was it was a massive change in terms of industry. And we found a way essentially to leverage everyone else's real estate in terms of the retailers by paying them a share of what we make through kiosks to be able to create a really robust business. Um, As we started to think about, you know, we can either allow customers to go meet their needs digitally other elsewhere or we can do it through here we had to think about how we felt about disrupting our own selves and i would say you know we did it in a measured approach right so we we watched what consumers did what we actually found is not only did we see growth in our digital business but it actually reinforced the value proposition of our physical and brought more transactions and more people back so for us it was great and so i think it gave us a lot more confidence as we entered free live TV. Because again, economics across the different windows are all very different. The best economics typically come with newer releases. And as you get further into the value chain, those economics get a little bit less. And so for us, what we want to do is make sure that it was going to be additive. We're getting more of the consumer's wallet in total, as opposed to simply trading between different windows. And we found that to be the case. But you know, you have to be willing to step out and at least Try to disrupt yourself in order to find, can you evolve your business and make it more successful long-term?
1: Well, speaking of ad supported revenue, let me take a quick break and I'll be right back after this message.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
1: C-Suite Radio. Hey, everybody, we're back and we're live streaming right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you all business with Jeffrey. As I'm talking with Galen Smith, the CEO of Redbox, and we're talking about disruption. Obviously, that's in an industry much like my former employer, Kodak. Where were you when I was trying to turn all those Kodak kiosks and we had 400,000 of them around the world and I wanted to put movies on those kiosks and burn DVDs? Where were you then?
2: We weren't we weren't doing that. Uh, so, no, I, we, we missed the opportunity to work together, at Jeffrey.
1: Yeah. Well, I took I took it to Blockbuster, but I couldn't get them to move. But nonetheless, it was a tough, tough deal. So you, now that you're producing your own content, like traditional movie studio, you know, how are you how are you spotting new movies? How are you spotting new content?
2: Yeah. I mean, we we have you know, we've been around for 18 years we have a lot of information about movies and actors that our consumers want or like. And so we've we've approached the, the business by a couple of ways. One of the things that we saw as a growing trend is studios were making fewer movies, right? So in 2018, there were about 160 movies that released theatrically. In 2019, that came down to 140. We think about 140 years is the run rate, right? But we want to make sure there's enough movies on average between what comes out theatrically and other independent movies that are made we're releasing around 4 to 500 different movies every year so there's a lot of content so we thought there was an op- opportunity because we have a built-in distribution channel through the Redbox kiosk through the Redbox digital service to be able to bring in our own movies right and so we do a we have a, a head of acquisitions And a content team that evaluates every project that comes our way, and we're making sure that it fits for us. So, our consumers love action movies, they love family movies, they love comedies, right? So, that really is our first filter. Is it the right genre? And then we're looking at does it have the right actors attached, right? So, it's got to be a recognizable face. So, someone that has been very successful on a show on a streaming service may not be right for us because they don't have enough cachet yet with consumers, whereas with, with someone like, uh, you know, a Mel Gibson or, a, you know, um, uh, a Jason Clark or someone that is recognized will do this. The other thing that we've done is we've actually worked to create uh, a number of slate deals, right? So our first one that we announced, uh, a really uh, talented producer, Basil Alwanek, who is of the John Wick uh, series fame. We've created a new label with Basil called Asbury Park. We just finished uh, shooting our first movie together in Australia about a month and a half ago, and it's called Black Sight. And you know, it's everything that Redbox is about in terms of action and guns and excitement. So we're excited to bring that to consumers uh, either at the end of this year or in early 22.
1: Yeah. And when you do those movies, I can I imagine it's a different economic situation when you're going to a DVD. I do think you probably need a star who's more of a pull that way. But with a streaming service, you can get by building an audience and community over time, right? Because you don't have to invest as much for distribution. You don't have to invest as much for the raw materials of the product. So you can you can build that over time. No, that's
2: exactly right. And so, if you think about what we've tried to create, is you know, Blumhouse is a f- successful model in terms of doing low budget horror and then doing really well with those types of movies and releasing across all different windows. The way that we think about us is, we just want to make sure there's great movies for Redbox. We are, we, and, and we love making money, right? And so, we're agnostic about releasing another window. windows. So, a couple of movies that we've released with a partner this year, one was called Shadow in the Cloud. It was the you know, Midnight Madness movie from TIFF, uh, you know, Toronto Film Festival in, in the fall. We picked it up to distribute uh, here in the US, and we actually offered it everywhere, uh, you know, including Amazon uh, for and Apple for a $20 rental price January 1st, right? That's not really our consumer, but it got down to a more normal price. We brought it into the kiosk in February, Uh, and it's it's performed well, and then it will be later on Hulu, right? So we have the ability to be able to monetize it across different windows, and then eventually we'll come back to the Redbox service and be on our ad-supported TV service. So we're really excited about building this library and this this offering that we can do. And you're exactly right. Because we've got this built-in distribution channel, it allows us to be... A little bit more opportunistic and invest in these projects to really put together stuff that's going to work for consumers.
1: Well, I would think that independent channel, the Indies, and of course, I used to work at Kodak. And of course, Kodak Motion Pictures was a big part of the business. And I worked a lot in Hollywood as well. But I I would think that independent channel, though, is going to be a huge growth area for you.
2: It really is. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of Great. There are a lot of great scripts out there, uh, and there's obviously very talented people that you know. We just need to attach to these projects and create something that that's great. And you know, one of the, one of the knocks a little bit on streaming services is that it limits the audience that can see this art that's created. Uh, and we don't want to limit that, right? We want to make sure it gets out to the masses. And again, that's what Redbox has always stood for, right? We we see ourselves as democratizing home entertainment, and we want to make sure it's available. So whether, again, it's available through us or through a d- digital transactional service outside of Redbox or on a streaming service later on, we want to help support the industry in that way.
1: Well, in this case, you've got the Redbox, which is the hard co- the hard box, which you can go up to and get it, or you've got it anywhere you can get a download service, you're going to be streaming it. So much, much more broader opportunity for distribution.
2: That's right. And, and, and really it really gets back to, you know, again, part of why we exist. It's about, you know, putting the consumer first and giving the consumer choice. So it may not be about what works best for me. It really comes down to what works best for the consumer. And so we want to be able to provide those different, different options. So again, if they want to launch a transaction through the kiosk, digitally through our red box on demand service, or through Redbox Free Live TV, we want to offer those opportunities to them based on what's most interesting. And one of the things I think that's important to keep in mind is no consumer is the same as another consumer, right? And even what we want to do on one piece of content may be different one day to the next. So we may go to the kiosk one day. We may feel like we don't want to go back the next day. And so we'll watch something digitally. We're consuming as you know, as customers all sorts of different types, right? It may be something that we're watching short form on YouTube or on an, on an ad, advertising supported service like, again, Redbox Free Live TV. So we're, we're mixing and matching all different types of consumption. Our goal is just to provide them the intersection of being able
1: to watch it all through us. Hey, let me take another quick break and we'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back. Thanks so much for listening right here to All Business with Jeffrey it right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. Of course, we're live casting. We're not broadcasting, we're live casting right on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm talking with the Redbox CEO, Galen Smith. We're talking about disruption. We're talking about content because content's the name of the game for everybody right now. You know, Les Moonbez, an old friend of mine, uh, when I was over at CBS, he once said, I'm not chasing digital pennies. I only want broadcast dollars. I'm not saying you're chasing those digital pennies, but you're chasing a different price tag. But there's a lot of money there. And a lot, of the, a lot of the traditional networks have really stayed away from this. They finally catching on with Peacock and all the other streaming services, but they ignored it for a long time. You yeah, th- I, think, maybe, I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing for you? Well, I mean, again, I, we, we see it as an
2: opportunity, right? It's, it's one of the ways that we've continued to differentiate and build out our service, right? As we offer more things, you know, I think it validates in some sense in terms of what everyone's doing. I also think, though, uh, and this is where, again, by us creating this overarching ecosystem for consumers to come to, right, where we can offer more and more. So, you know, our vision is to be able to offer more choice to consumer than anyone else, right? And so that that's what we want to continue to build towards. Um, I, I think what you've seen, obviously, particularly in the last 12 to 18 months, whether it be what's happening on ad supported or on, on, on you know, subscription, is this decentralization and almost this confusion uh, and frustration for the consumer, right? Because uh, where now I've go got to go to, yeah. Yeah, Where do
1: I get it? How do I get it? Who, what, what's on what, why is this stuff over here on Netflix? This is over here on Apple, I, or I can get this over in Redbox. Where do I go? That's right. So what we want to do
2: is again, create this, this, you know, this platform that it's easy to go to, uh, we want to be able to to offer all different ways that you can watch that content to the consumer. And so, again, that's that's where I think it's interesting. And so I think because of, again, this decentralization of content, it actually creates another opportunity for us to try to repackage and pull it back together with our different services.
1: Are you able to take the the content that you had on DVD and put all in that in streaming or is there still issues with the rights?
2: No. Nope. So you have to uh, have a separate license. The physical rights are very different than the digital rights. And so, no, we, we obviously license both physical content and digital content from, from content creators.
1: Yeah. Most people don't understand how complicated that is. That's a very complicated deal. It, it, let's talk about movie theaters. Uh, listen. I think after COVID, I think we're finding they're not going to come back uh, like we, like most of us would hope. I would think that's got to be a boon for you as well. I mean, there's over a hundred thousand movie theaters around the world, and I gotta suspect that a good number of them won't be around after this is over. With,
2: I mean, obviously there was some pretty tough news about uh, ArcLight yesterday, right? So yeah. I, I think there's a there's a general reaction, right? There's a sense of loss that we that we feel. You know, there is something that's really special about movie theaters, right? It's a shared communal experience. Um, And I think, you know, what we've always seen at Redbox is um, there are movies that do really, really well at the theater and there's really movies that do well at home. I think absolutely you're right. If there are fewer people that are comfortable going to the movie theater, That should be something that is, you know, a great tailwind for us at Redbox, right? Because it's great content and we want to be able to provide that to consumers and watching at home in your environment, we can provide that to you again at the cheapest and greatest value. Uh, And so I think it can be a boon for us. Um, But I do think there's an element, we're seeing this a little bit again with with, with Godzilla versus Kong, where there's this, this desire to get back. So I have a movie theater about two miles from my house. It's not open yet, right? But I'm excited to when, the, the, when it is going to be open. Now, I may not see that that lower budget movie as much as I would have before, but I, I think consumers do want that experience, particularly for those big theatrical releases, to want to come back and have that communal experience.
1: Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of paths to the C-suite. You came from finance, which we see a lot of CEOs do. First, you were an investment banker, then the CFO at Redbox. Uh, You know, how did you prepare for being a CEO? It's a a different job. It's definitely a different job. Um, You know, I I think
2: if I think back to my time as an investment banker or as a CFO, a lot of what I did was very transactional. uh, And that is something that you absolutely cannot do as a CEO. Uh, A CEO is so relational. Right. I mean, I think a lot about our employees. I think a lot about how I'm in a unique situation to be able to remove barriers and allow great work to be done by our employees, right? We have really talented people that work at Redbox and I want to make them the most successful possible. And so, you know, I had heard uh, coming into the role that I would spend about 80% of my time doing people stuff. And I thought, yeah, right, whatever. Uh, but it's really true. I mean, I spend most of my time doing people stuff, right? Making sure that we can address conflicts or we can empower people or we can give people the resources they need to be successful. And I think that's been a really unique thing. And so I, I think, you know, for someone in the CEO suite or or aspiring to be in the CEO suite, I think really valuing people, understanding people, investing in relationships becomes so central to that success that you have to want to do that. Uh, and and again, I I'm obviously very grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to be able to be in this role.
1: Well, what's been the biggest surprise for you being uh, as a CEO? Um, Besides the talent issue, because talent's always up there. I mean, I don't know of a CEO that I have on the show that doesn't talk about talent issues. It is the number one thing. But yeah, what's but been it, the it, biggest it, surprise outside of that?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think that like the personal surprise to me is just how much I love it, right? Like I I love what I do. Like I love being able to be able to to do it. And, you know, I, I think in some some sense as a, as a CFO, you are directing the vision of others, right? But actually to be able to really, and again, you're not doing it alone, right? But to be able to set the vision, direct the vision, and then make it happen, um, and whether it's you making it happen, which is probably a small part of it, and much more your team making it happen, it's just it, it's really exciting, right? It, it's almost like you're a, you're a proud parent of what your kids are doing, uh, and I I, just, I get so much uh, out of this, right? Um, I think the other surprise is it is a bit lonely, right? Uh, okay. And so. Uh, you know, you don't have that, that structure above you in the same way, obviously you have your board, but those are different types of conversations. And so for me, again, it's been able to find a group of other CEOs that we can share experiences with and, you know, try to solve each other's problems and at least have a, an ear that understands what you're going through.
1: Well, Galen, what a pleasure. Congrats on all the success at Redbox and uh, all you're doing to help get more and more content out there, both of the independent, the studios, and everyone else that's uh, creating content. It's been a pleasure. been talking with Redbox CEO Galen Smith. It's good to have you right here on All Business with Jeffrey Aislin. Thank you. All right, everybody. And thanks so much, Galen. We appreciate it. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things that I learned. And I learned there's a number of ways that you can create content. Look at this. Redbox started, you know, in a store, shrunk themselves down to get this to 12 square feet, 12 square feet, 40 million customers. And they are going strong. And of course, they're expanding and saying, hey, what could we do differently and so what do they do they went out and they started a streaming service and now they're making their own movies now they're talking to people about TV shows and everything else you there's a lot of different ways as they say to skin a cat and don't if you're a cat lover don't write me you know what I'm talking about just lots of different ways that you can go and do things and that's what I learned if you're you want to be inventive if you want to go out and serve the customers find all the ways you can serve the customers and do it well and you can make money from it that's what I learned right here on all business